Healing Podcast, sharing truth and knowledge in this time of conscious awakening with Chris and Stephen. Hello friends and welcome to the Collective Awakening Podcast. I'm riding solo tonight. Um, <laughs> my friend and colleague Stephen, he's actually moving, moving house today. Um, so we wish him well for his moving. He'll be back on our next episode. And of course, moving is a huge thing for uh, those who are sensitive to energy as well. Your home, whatever or wherever you call your home is your sanctuary. Um, so as you move from one home to another, portals shut down, uh, the, the spirit will close certain energies and open energies in your new home as well. So we, uh, we wish Stephen well with all that. And I'd, it's lovely to welcome on this episode, Rick Corns back with us. Rick is a spiritual coach, psychic medium, Reiki healer. He's very experienced, I would say, in this work. Uh, we spoke with Rick many times, I'll just saying over the lockdown years uh, and spreading yeah. the word. Uh, yeah. So it's great to have you back with us, Rick. Thank you very much, Chris, and good evening to everybody. It's great to be here. Like-minded like people, it, it always makes everything buzz when everybody's on the same wavelength, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I second that. And and just welcome to everybody who's going to join us live or maybe watching this uh, uh, afterwards. And we just welcome you into this space that we've opened here. And if anybody watching us live wants to comment or ask a question, absolutely welcome that in. So I hope you enjoy the next hour or so. So, Rick, where do we start? And uh, uh, I I'm not to start with... I've, uh, I've, I've got my coffee. It's oh, my plant medicine. <laughs> <laughs> my ceremony is coffee every morning, and uh, yeah. that's my little ritual and ceremony. And I, I think that's one of the best plant medicines you can have. That's my personal. Yeah, I'm the, right. the, <laughs> the, the sacred coffee bean. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Walter Raleigh was right, wasn't he? You know. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's interesting because we're not too far away from our first question or subject when we talk about coffee. Because I want to talk about sleep, sleep patterns. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, astral or dream memories and i've been meeting a lot of people at the moment uh that are either having quite vivid dreams the waking up in the morning or the sleeping different times of the day the change of the routine and yeah. feeling into rest a lot more at the moment and um, so what are you feeling with this and what have you been experiencing well again like you chris i i've had very vivid dreams and particularly when the full moon's there, and I know that affects a lot of people, you know, a lot of people feel a bit off or the energy's off or whatever, you know, whenever that full moon's out. And, you know, even just looking at it scientifically, the moon pulls the tides backwards and forwards and our body's 90% uh, water. So, you know, the, the phases of the moon are going to affect us in the body as well as the mind. But, yeah, I, same as you, I've had a lot of people commenting on very, very weird dreams. Um and I don't think up until maybe two years ago I ever remembered any of my dreams. If I did, it may be only once or twice a year. But absolutely weird, weird, wonderful dreams don't make any sense at all. I mean, sometimes, I, I, again, I'm no expert on dreams, and I know there's books on it, and I know there's experts on it. And people can interpret what they've seen and what they felt, and, and they can always put something to it, that something happened in the last few days or something has been on the mind, you know, and these are things that they do creep in. But I think it's essential for me to share the dream I had last week at the full moon. I had a crazy one about a Lord of Elvis impersonators, but that one just didn't make any sense at all. So <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know where that one was. That was just a crazy one. But this particular one that I want to 
speak about. And again, people might think I'm a bit nuts, but I don't care what people think anyway. So I'm going to tell you what I, what I, what I dreamt about. It was yeah. actually in a war zone. And it was just like you would see on a big war movie or, or these newsreel films of, of uh, like Iraq and Iran when they were being bombed. And there was people sheltering under rubble and under shell, you know, and there was bombs going off everywhere. And then there's this great raft of warplanes came in, almost in a V-shape. And it looked like there was about 50 of them. And it looked like they were on a mission to go and drop a load of bombs and create a lot of havoc. And they were low down and everybody was sort of holding their heads because of you know, this, this big, deep rumble of these warplanes. And then they kind of just about got out of sight. And they all did a U-turn and came back very, very fast. And chasing them were thousands of dragons and unicorns. Now, try and work that one out. <laughs> yeah. For me, that just means the light's winning. It's symbolic. It just means that the light's winning. Yeah, that's what I feel, you know? with, especially with the mythical creatures of light. And, yes. Uh, well, the, you know, the, the mythical in our world, there's nothing to say they don't exist in another, another dimension, just like fairies and pixies and elves and dwarfs and, you know. 100% agree with you on that one. It's uh, everything we've been told. It is, you know, that's that's uh, made by imaginary. That's magical. Is actually very, very real, realer than it's been covered up. Realize. it's been covered yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been, we've been contained in a, in a very tight society for thousands and thousands of years, and you know, it, it's way before Christianity. It, it, it's it's just literally. I think as soon as sort of patriarchy came online. People started farming, the agricultural revolution, all that, you know. They said, this is mine, this is my field, uh, you know, and I'll, yeah. I'll grow and I'll sell to you. The ego started kicking in. And then people started joining, and, you know, then this pyramid system came in. Everybody was equal before that. Everybody had a job in the tribe. All the tribes were at peace with each other. Sometimes they fought over land and what have you, you know, and occasionally there were wars between different tribes. But essentially we were peaceful people making a living from the land. And um, we respected the gods of the land, which is basically paganism. And then, of course, the hierarchy sort of creeps in and the pyramid starts that we are better than you. And then they say, well, we need somebody to worship. So they made one single god or whoever it may be. And, you know, it was obviously repeated because all the big Bible books, the Quran, the Bible and all, all those things, they all have very similar stories. So, you know, we've been controlled for a long time. And I think what's happening now we hear so much about the the awakening and ascension and things like that. And, and I think people, first of all, a lot of people are already awake. More and more people are waking up every day. But there's a lot of people who are burying their heads in the sand. Yeah. But spirit or the universe or the light, however you want to call it, I think you know, they're trying to get through to us, however, whichever way they can. And... A lot of people don't want to wake up because they don't want to face it. But dreams are part of the one the way that they're going to get through to us. Now, for me, that dream last week, now I've got this opportunity to share it with, with, with many people, that is synchronicity for me. You know, I don't mind saying that. And I'm not blowing me on trumpet because it was just a weird dream. But the top and bottom of it is that there's this war going on and then every, the war retreated because the unicorns and dragons came in and chased them off. So, Absolutely. You know, you can make what you want to hold. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd want to touch on a little bit, and it's interesting. Our previous guest mentioned this about the astral. And um, the only thing I want to add is, as well, with that is 
there was a massive increase in people who didn't often dream, dreaming more during the when everything was shut down during the lockdowns. Yeah. Because yeah. they were achieving that deeper level of sleep. So there was a lot more. Um, actually, people, you heard it a lot a lot more people dreaming. So that was something that went on. But what I wanted to ask you, Rick, is something that I've been pondering. It's about the astral. Now, I know uh, you have a good understanding of light and dark uh, yes. uh, on this level as well. But do you feel sometimes there can be uh, battles as such going on on the astral that way, if we want to call it that? I think so, yeah. Um, I think we all kind of astral travel in, in our sleep. And I think it's essential. I think the spirit does leave and, and go, it either recharges or it has another job to do. It goes and helps somewhere yeah. while the physical body is, is resting. Um, I think that happens to a lot of people and nobody remembers it because I think that's part of the programming of the spirit re-entering the body. It's a bit like when you're born, you forget who you are. You know. So I think there's a very similar situation goes on there when you suddenly come back into, into, into the body and, a lot of people suddenly jump when they wake up, don't they, after a dream or something. And that's when the spirit re-enters the body or the soul or, or how, however we want to describe it. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I haven't seen any figures, but from what you've said and just thinking about it now, you know, there will be far more people dreaming in lockdown because, yes, there's this stress about, about a virus and a pandemic and all this sort of thing. But a lot of people weren't working. A lot of people haven't yeah. got the stresses of daily life. A lot of people were, yes, they were shut in the homes, and, and, but they, they'd also done the odd jobs around the houses, done a bit of decorating, done the garden. So there's a big sense of achievement in doing things around the home, which never got done when they were working. And therefore, yeah. that contentment overflows into your sleep. Yeah. So, you know, I, I agree. So, you know, when you're content, when you've not got the stresses of, of holding down a day job then you're going to sleep better and a lot of people do worry about the work they do take it home with them and a lot of people can't switch off at night but yeah. when you're in lockdown when you can't go anywhere anyway when you don't have to be anywhere you're far more relaxed and content so you're going to have a better night's sleep and then obviously yeah. if your body is rested your mind has more opportunity a longer period of time so we say where, where the body's asleep for it to leave and do some muscle traveling yeah so i suppose you could argue in a way that that um not having to go to our job or be tied to something is a very more of a natural state for us yeah to be in yeah. sooner than being it, it it's almost we were discussing this before the podcast what's meant to keep us in the system actually we always find a way to break through naturally yes. so there's yeah. always positives to everything there is, there is, and, and you know, if, if if we go back to that light and dark, you know, whatever other name you might want to give to the dark side, well, well, let's just call it the dark side for, for for simplicity's sake. But you know, the dark side imposed this lockdown on us. They, they in my opinion, they invented a virus and, and called it a pandemic to control us and therefore give us the injections and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We don't need to go into that too much, but you know, we, I, can't, I think we all know what's going on there. Um, but with that attempt to control us, to, to keep us in a very tight box, it actually had the opposite effect because we all went on Zoom. We all made friends in other countries. We, we all went on courses. The entrepreneurs and the, the, the spiritual leaders ran courses, as you lads did, as I have done, you know. And I was just 
like I said before we started, Chris, you know, I have a course where I've had people from Chicago, New Jersey, Canada, and I wouldn't have had those people before lockdown because we made those connections. So that web of energy, that love and light and that healing energy that we've all got and we're all spreading out as we go through life has actually increased in this massive spider web all over the world. And uh, I've just gone, gone shivering now saying that, so no, it's true. I think we've heard, Rick, because it's, it's very inspirational. It's simple. It's, uh, it is. It is. And, and what comes back to me is uh, we've got, when we have a knowing, we have a good grounding yes. and no matter what, so no matter what's knocked down, we could rebuild again and rebuild. Yeah. And and we, it seems to me we've found a new way to rebuild. And I think it's fantastic. I know there is another side, there's a duality to everything. Of course. But yes. I feel yeah. like connecting like this on Zoom. I know myself and Stephen, when things were closed and the first thought, right, who can we connect with? We know Rick from the mind, body and spirits. We know these people. Yeah. And it was, um, it's something David Icke calls uh, connecting dots, dot connecting. Absolutely. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. And then one leads to another. And now that work continues. So as we all open up, we've got now an expansion. Absolutely. Which, I was going to say, not only, not only did we survive, we, you know, but we actually expanded our network and we expanded the energy and expanded the light. So yeah. it's had the opposite effect of what the dark side wanted. <laughs> they, must, they must be totally pig sick. <laughs> well, yeah, but you see, they didn't reckon on us being awake. Yeah. They all thought it. we were lemmings and we all thought they were going to draw off the edge of a cliff. And, 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 and that was the end of it. But, you know, they just did not think. I think there's a lot of arrogance and ego in, in, in the dark side. And I just don't think they understood how far humanity and spirituality had come in the last few thousand years and the more you read about like atlantis and lemuria and places like that you know it's happened before you know the people tried to take over and then there's been a big catastrophe of some sort again you know we've only got speculation and hypnotists versions of events and things like that past life regression but they talk about the great flood and things in the bible you know and yeah. and, and other, there's groups on Facebook called the Mud Flood who are looking at on the big catastrophic events that wiped out humanity. They reckon that that flood was caused by this massive explosion in Atlantis, which would have caused a tsunami and wiped a lot of people out. So basically, mankind had to start again. And by starting again, we're starting back down learning the way to live and learning all the skills that we had until at some point, We'll get the balance right, but unfortunately, there's always people who are power hungry who want more power, more power, and try and tip the balance in their favour. I think they found a bit of a, a roadblock this time. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm in total agreement. And many call it the big, the great, uh, well, a great cataclysm that happened that took humanity back to square one, and that yeah. can easily be done. But um, something I don't know if you've uh, read or uh, similar, Rick, with Atlantis or channelings that the, the technology and the scientific side was overriding the spirituality. Yes. And that's actually yeah. a little bit what's what we've been tussling. If you look the last couple of years, it's a direct tussle between science and and trusting our own spirit, our yeah. ourselves, yeah. our instincts. Yeah. So I, I, think, I think it's definitely happened before. I think this time humanity is more awake and is waking up slowly each day and you know back to the dreams that we started the conversation with it's it's a way yeah. of people questioning what's going on 
we've had this weird dream. Can we explain it? And then somebody else might explain it. And then that opens the, let's call it the, the door of inquiry. And they start asking more questions and more questions. And all of a sudden, they, they, they slowly wake up. Nobody can wake up fast. Nobody wakes up overnight. They might have some big realisations, but it's, it's a process. We've got to assimilate it, you know. And fortunately, people like you and me were, were kind of waking up way before this pandemic, you know. And, and we kind of knew what was going on. We, and we had a sense, and all of a sudden, it hit us. And I've got to admit that right in the first few weeks, I believed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the bell started ringing, and nothing started adding up, and everybody else felt the same, and we all started talking, and that's where that big web of energy spread out all over the world via Zoom, via Skype, and what have you, and you know we, we've connected. So it's a brilliant, brilliant tool is Zoom, and a brilliant tool okay. having these groups, and it, it's essential for, for the growth of humanity that we carry on doing these things and spreading the knowledge and spreading the light energy and I agree and um as you it brings back a memory for me of uh, i was a bit the same in the first week or so i was going along and doing everything that was being mentioned and, and trying to be responsible as i'd seen it yeah. And I remember being sat in the garden because we had some lovely weather that was unbelievable yeah. Yeah. um and I just sat there, and like you said, you couldn't have put it better. It, alarm bells were going off, and I thought, yeah. something's not right with this. Yeah. And then it just unfolded from there. Uh, and then as I connected with many people, including yourself, we, we all started to question together and say, no, it's something. Uh, uh, and, and you know, there's that, there's that thing when we question things, certain structures, that it can trigger people. Really oh, can, you know, really yeah. because they, they, they actually don't want their boat rocking, yeah. They're just happy being, let me know, let's unpolitely call them sheep, you know. But they're just happy going to work, doing the thing. They've got this dream that they need to own a huge house and they need to earn a big income. And that if they've got two decent cars on the drive and a five bedroom house, that they've made it. Well. To me, that's just massive, massive stress. And and I think people are pulling away from that, particularly after the lockdown. They're reassessing the values. They're spending more time outdoors. They're spending more time with the families. And and the, the, the proper things in life have been getting priorities. And yeah, yes, they're no. still building big houses. There's still people buying big houses, you know. But you come across these people who are in the 40s and, you know, get on to the 50s and they're just taking on half a million pound mortgage. Well, how the hell are you going to pay that off? You know, but then there's other people who've sold those big houses, moved into little one and working part time, and they're far happier and healthier and far better in a place to serve humanity than somebody who's totally stressed out and shouted at the kids all day, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, feel, I feel like with your, uh, well, I know that you, you're on the same wavelength there of what I'm thinking. I feel like you're reading my mind there a bit of where we're going. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> because what I wanted to mention, another huge positive, as we talk about the last few years, is people going back to being out in nature more. Absolutely. And when they, they had all this yeah. free time, I mean, I'm five minutes from the beach here in Fleetwood, and it was absolutely packed with people and the families, yeah. and it was great yeah. to see. And you could see that people really appreciated it a lot more than they'd ever done before. Because you know, they've had the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They hadn't had the time before because they were too stressed doing the doing the job, and then, you know, recovering from a hangover at weekends, and you know, mm-hmm. it's not life. 
you know, what the lockdown's taught us and, and the shift in energy that's happened over the last couple of years is that there's a lot more to life and we are appreciating it. And it's the simple things which are free. You know, there's a lot of people doing forest bathing now, a lot of people running courses in, in the, the countryside and in the woods and people heading out, out went up to the other side of Keswick over the weekend up to Winlatter and there was hundreds of people there mountain biking and running in the forest. And I've never seen it. And it was a, a very cold day. I don't think I've ever seen it as busy. So people are going out and they're actually feeling the benefit of being in nature, which is how it should be. This is how we should be balanced as human beings. You know? Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to see. And um, something else I wanted to mention sort of while we're on this subject is as we sort of, as we emerge from things now, and, and there are many who are, have seen the way things are, you know, with sort of governments and institutions. Now, something I'm being aware of is that uh, many of us are during this time are facing our own shadow as well, which it's been oh. mentioned that like the hero's journey. Yes, and definitely. it's it's very easy. I find. I mean, I found myself doing it at times to say, "Well, the government and these people, and they're doing it to us." But in many ways, they're teaching us, you know, in this time of, of, of oppression brings time of awakening and realising who we really are. So it's yeah. a it's a time for mirror work as well. Absolutely. And there's a lot to be learned from the shadow. And, you know, a yeah. lot of people are reluctant to look at the, 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 the deepest fears and the deepest worries. And uh, it's actually an essential part of growth, essential part of the growth yeah. as a human being and essential part of the growth of the soul. Uh, it was Joseph Campbell, I think, who said, uh, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek, you know. And if you've got the courage to go in deep, you're going to find some treasure there. You're going to unearth some stuff. You're going to shine some a huge big spotlight into the deepest recesses of your soul, and you'll find some treasure, and you'll find the real person underneath that's been covered up by all these fears and beliefs. And nearly everything we do in life we have limiting beliefs and we need to sort that out. And the, the only way to sort that out is to go into the shadow and find out what those beliefs are and then change them. You know, people hold themselves back because of fear of ridicule, fear of judgment. And all that is, um, if we're going to address those fears and make people know that they're not real, then those fears go away. And I want to come back to that fear thing in a minute, but uh, I think the shadow work is absolutely essential and people are frightened of it unfortunately there's a few people who are a little bit too the other way what i would call woo woo uh, and they're all unicorns and rainbows and, and love and light and that sort of thing by all means let's send some love and light we need it that's what we want that's where we should be but we mentioned duality before we cannot have the love and light without the shadow yeah. you know that the difference is with most dualities, the majority of dualities are opposite. So we've got left and right, up and down, you know, left, uh, forwards and backwards. The only thing that's different to that sort of rule of thumb is light and dark, because darkness isn't the opposite of light, it's the absence of light. And if we bring light into that darkness, the darkness disappears. Um, I think one of the, one of the times I had a chat to you, I told the, the, one of the old um, Sufi tales about the, the the 
the sun and the cave and uh, it's a very old goes back to the 1200s this story and uh, the sufis were the uh, philosophical side of islam the whirling dervishes and things rumi the poet was was a sufi and um, so that's the sort of philosophy and this story very very quickly i'll tell it um it goes it's it, it's uh, like aesop's fables like a fairy tale it's an analogy so there was a very deep dark cave on a mountainside and the sun had invited this cave up to see the sun's world so this deep dark damp cave went up to the sun and he couldn't believe it it was warm it was light it was absolutely bright it was dazzling and he said to the sun he said it's not like this in my world it's all damp and dark and, and it's horrible sort of thing and so the cave went back down to the mountain and the next day he thought he'd return the favor so he invited the sun to come down into the cave so the sun came down into this cave and he looked round and he said where's all this dark and dampness you talk about you know <laughs> so the sun has actually lit up the cave and warmed it up so we can always bring the light into the darkness, but we need to identify the darkness first. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and it's absolutely essential to do that shadow work. And, and you know, people think you're messing with darkness, and, you know, it, it's a bit like people's view of the tarot sometimes. They think it's very dark, but it's not. It's yeah, just a light. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. there, it's accurate, and, and the shadow is the same. It's absolutely important to shine some light into the shadow. Because we need yes. to be a full, complete human being, a full, balanced soul with duality, with the light and dark. And you can't have one without the other. I completely agree. And um, there's a short video that sometimes comes up on based on certain social media sites uh, that Alan Watts did explaining yeah. about duality. And it's absolutely excellent. It's not long, but it puts it so well. It's brilliant, and, Alan Watts, yeah, yeah. At, you know those philosophies and i feel that's a big part of our learning perhaps collectively the last few years in in looking at that and a, a very good friend of mine used to say we'll try and put it anywhere but with ourselves we'll work very hard to, and, it, and it's very yeah. true it's yeah. and it's it's not easy to look within it's it's hard sometimes it can be really it tough but the rewards that come from it are, are, are blissful and and like you said rick coming into our true self Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely, and you know, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of sense and, and importance that we can look at with some of these old, let's call them spiritual teachers, like Alan Watts and George Campbell. You know, Alan Watts kind of translated Zen into Western language. Um, Joseph Campbell was a mythologist; was his real title. He was the one that identified the hero's journey, and. Let's talk about that because you know we, we touched on it earlier on. The hero's journey, all successful stories and movies are based on the hero's journey, and it's been about since ancient Greek times. Um, even Jason and the Argonauts, way back in the 50s or whenever it was that came out, you know, he set off on a mission. He, he was called to a mission, he had to defeat a foe. He beat that, then he moved on somewhere else, and something else was defeated. You know, and then he, he got his prize and he came home victorious. And, and, you know, Star Wars is the same. Pinocchio is the Lord, same. Lord of the Rings, yeah. Lord of the Rings is the same. And it's all based on the hero's journey. And uh, 
I don't know if you've ever come across what they call transformation life coaching, but that is a life coaching um, modality based on the hero's journey. So it'll take people and you can give them a chart and see where they are and you can lead them through as part of the life coaching, lead them through to, to the successful completion of that journey. And what happens then, we actually go around again as a spiral, don't we? Life, you know? yeah. <laughs> life isn't a circle, it's a spiral. <laughs> Are you aware of any of the uh, the Ghibli films? No, right? I don't know. The, the cartoons, know. They're, they're, the Japanese uh, cartoons, the Ghibli films, they're, they're, they're very, very interesting because in them, they're, they're, they're fantastic stories. Um, and in them, the, the villain, if we want to call it, is never defeated or killed. Right. They're always accepted or they, it's like the hero reminds them who they truly are. Ah yes, yeah, and 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 the creator of those Ghibli films, he, he doesn't believe in that uh, of defeating the villain or killing the villain. So it's all wrong. It's reminding them who they are, so they can shed whatever's created that with it, you know, around them. Well, uh, the, you know, the what you're doing there is to shine in the the the, the searchlight on the dark side, aren't they? On the shadow. Yeah. That the, the, you know the, they're using that story and the hero. To shine the torch into the, you know, the bad guy's shadow, then he can learn from yeah. that and become a good guy, because he, you yeah. know, he's learning the error of his way, so to speak, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So no, no, I kind no. of feel. Yeah, please do, please do. There's lots of them. It's actually all credit to Stephen. He got me onto them. He's been watching them for years, and the. Right. The fantastic films to watch, but I feel like we've had a good like recap of what's uh, occurred over the last few years. But yeah, yeah. what do you feel sort of emerging now? What what point in this? I mean, there's a lot occurring. I, I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm going to throw. It. I don't want to throw you in the deep end with anything. That's okay. You know, I can swim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there seems to be a bit of a change around now from the um, the, the, the the COVID. Uh, time now to coming into uh, a climate uh, talking more about the climate a climate change yeah. and we're, we're we're experiencing some very unusual weather patterns you know in this country it's been very we seem to the seasons seem to be uh, not as defined as they were at one time and i know you work a lot outdoors and you're very yeah. connected with the land and what what's your thoughts uh, about that as a, as it we, we seem well, to be changing over yeah um Two subjects there, Chris. So we'll deal with the weather first. Uh, going back 50, 60 years, yes, there's been weather manipulation. There's been these harp systems up at the North Pole and, and uh, we've got the chemtrails, which a lot of people are aware of. Uh, some of the uh, footage from the first chemtrails has been available through the disclosure of what's the name, just public information, whatever it is. And I saw... Uh, it was black and white, and it would look like it was about 1930s. There's an aeroplane shooting across uh, a warship with this great big curtain of caustic vapour behind it. And the caption on them, they said they got it wrong in the first trials, and it actually caused a lot of damage and rust and almost melted the warship that it passed over. Now, that I saw on Facebook recently, and it was taken down. But it, I think it is available if you go through the disclosure of information. So they've been messing about for a long, long time. We've had a very cold spell with a bit of snow, like proper winter. 
But over the weekend, we've had a clear blue skies and no no chemtrails. So I think they give us a few days where they back off. And exactly the same thing happened when the Queen's funeral, the official funeral. She died three years before that, but that's my version. Um, yeah, I'm with yeah. you on that one too. <laughs> what, that, that day that was set aside as, as a, as a, a bank holiday for the funeral, for three days before it, there wasn't a chemtrail in sight. It was beautiful weather, so everybody had good time. Everybody's spirits were lifted because the sun was shining, the skies were blue, as they should be, and that rejuvenates our body and soul and our spirit. You know, the good weather, being in nature, and all that weekend, everybody's spirits were lifted. And then the chemtrails were back on the Tuesday morning. It came down, it was wet and gloomy and drizzle. So the building is up a little bit, dropping us down, building us up, dropping us down. And it's all designed, in my opinion, it's all designed to knock the wind out of us. Knock us down, knock us down, knock us down until we're knocked senseless and we just comply then. We're soft plasticine people who are just totally complain to what they want to be. So, yes, the weather manipulation, in my opinion, is, is very much present and it has been for many, many years. Uh, there's a term I read recently called weaponizing the weather. Um, so yeah. they can manipulate yeah. it for whatever they want us to do. So maybe they want to do a bombing raid. They can blitz it, make it all so they can't see the bombs coming, or the, the planes coming and what have you. But, yeah, there's a lot going on there that we don't understand. I've researched a lot myself and only really scratched the surface of it. But, again, it's how much effort and energy do you put into this sort of thing. So I'll talk about that energy stuff in a minute. Um, the other thing... Um, is climate change it's a lot of bollocks and you can quote me on that <laughs> if you look back i was born in 1963 that year the thames froze over i was talking to somebody recently in kent who walked out half a mile to sea in that year because the, the sea had frozen over and then we've had nothing like that since so we've had a period of 50, 60 years where the weather slowly got a bit warmer. We've had mild winters, apart from one or two, and then it drops again. You know, So there's a natural cycle. We know that there's been ice ages. So ice ages don't happen overnight. It's not like that film, you know, 2012 or whatever it was, you know. It, yeah. it happens over a period of thousands of years. So it's got to warm up slightly and then drop down slightly over thousands of years to become frozen again. And that might happen every 100,000 years or, or whatever it is. I'm, I'm not an archaeologist or a, a historian or like that, so I don't know the actual timescales. David Bellamy spoke out about this, and the BBC sacked him. Oh, I, rem I remember David and Bellamy. You can find that online if you want to do that research. He was one of the best people that BBC had, and he said global warming is a lot of rubbish. And they basically took the show off him and they, they left him penniless nearly. And uh, you know, they almost destroyed him because he spoke out against the BBC. But climate change, again, is engineered to keep us down, stop us travelling. It won't be long before they stop us flying to other countries. It's a holiday in your own country, stop air travel, you know, and then they'll make it very, very expensive so people can't afford to travel. Um, they'll put pollution tax or something like that on it, you know. So it's all about control. 
And I think what's happened is that they've moved on to that because perhaps that was in their plan after COVID. Yeah, and COVID hasn't gone the way they thought it was, so they brought it in a bit sooner, myself. Yeah, and, I agree. And you know, the advocates they've got for it, like that little Swedish girl whose name I can't remember, they don't do themselves any justice. You know, she's there whining on about plastic bags and pollution and climate change, and yet she gets on a jet all over the world to go and speak about it. Look at yourself, woman. You know, <laughs> it's, I think it, 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 I'll tell you what's interesting, Rick. And uh, um, somebody we spoke to uh, the last interview we did actually, and he brought up something that I forgot that originally, before they started saying climate change, it was global warming. They That's used to right. call it all the time. Just, and so and yeah. I remember years ago in a, a transit here at the Purple Mountain a long time ago, and spirits had actually that the earth's not getting warmer, it's getting colder. Yeah. And that makes more sense to me as the years have gone by. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but but it it really, I thought, yeah, it used to be global warming and they've changed it. They've yeah. changed the entire thing. And uh, like you say, weaponizing. They've just put uh, an overcoat on to disguise it, but, but they've given it a slightly more frightening name, haven't they? You know, yeah. global warming, people can accept, oh, yeah, we'd like it a bit warmer. What It wasn't frightening enough. So climate change, as soon as you mention the word change to people, they panic. Nobody wants, Everybody wants change, but nobody wants to change. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. <laughs> because it, when it comes down to it, Rick, everything uh you know these subjects might be quite scary to people and that's not our intention we just want to uh have you know open-minded talks put that information out there yeah, yeah. But, but just know that everything relies on our compliance so if it doesn't have our compliance it ain't gonna work and that's what frightens whoever's you visualize being in charge to me yeah that's what petrifies them us yeah. standing in our power uh, you know, because we can do it. I always feel like a, it's a light example, but an example was actually after uh, Princess Diana died. Yes. And they laid all them flowers, and the people made the queen come back to that palace. Yes. And that was the power of people. And if you can come together in those numbers. Well, that's it. Exactly. Got... And, and they haven't anticipated the power of the people, let's call it that. You know, like yeah. we talked about before, the power of Zoom and connecting with people all over. You know, if we hadn't had Zoom, if we hadn't had the internet, we'd just have a very small group of local people, a bit like a stand in the park, you know. But what's happened is we've gone global because of technology, because of Zoom and the internet and, and, and all those other, you know, social media. It, it's actually working in our favour as long as we let it work and we don't believe everything we see and we don't succumb to being to social media and being in charge of us, if you see what I mean. You know, we, we've got to take it over the pinch of salt. Um, but those tools, the technology, I think, has helped the people, has helped humanity, because that small group of people, a bit like Wolfie Smith and Tooting Popular Front in the 70s TV show, you know, there was three of them in it, and... A bit like the life of Brian, where they got the uh, Judea People's Federation or whatever it was, you yeah, know, the three or four of them. Judea people brought yeah. with, with several thousand people, or even hundreds of thousands of people. So I don't think that is what was anticipated by the powers that be. 
of how much that this that the movement and, and the the restlessness and, and and the attitude of we're not having this i don't think they realized how much that was going to spread it's it's interesting as well i don't feel uh, whoever it is that decides to censor things they've not learned that lesson yet the, the you more the set the more you censor something the more interest there is then you've yes, just created absolutely. 10 times more interest in it yeah. um, i mean i remember at the beginning of all this and david i did an interview with uh, for london real that was banned consequently got banned on facebook everything under the scene yeah. they yeah. tried to wipe him off social media and he said at the beginning of it all in the in in march he said all this is about a jab about a vaccine that's where it's all leading and 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 if you think he's just a man that he, he lives in the isle of man yeah you know what's it matter if he's saying things that don't matter and he said it's because he's speaking something that's quite truthful yes you know and there's many many more like him there's there are many more like david Icke, including yeah. ourselves yeah. We're, yeah. we're doing that work uh, and it's only it's only a lie that don't like to be questioned <laughs> yeah absolutely right now yeah. you know we've got to look at this with a very very open mind we've got to look at it from all perspectives and yeah. the frightening aspect of it is that they're reducing the population a massive depopulation you know that's been suggested as, as one of the reasons for the the, the injection um and unfortunately that's working i, I heard uh, yesterday there's uh, at least thirty thousand extra heart attacks in the uk alone uh, so it's a very, very sad situation. I agree. If you look at it from a very high perspective, let's call it from Mother Nature's perspective, whereas the world is actually overpopulated, then it might well do a bit of good. You know, from a gardening perspective, it's like pruning out the dead wood, and that's very cruel to say. Yeah. But there's all sorts of ways to look at things, and there isn't just necessarily one viewpoint. So, you know, People sometimes say to me, well, why isn't the divine, why isn't spirit interfering in this? You know, well, maybe there's a higher purpose to all this. Maybe, you know, a few people are going to sacrifice themselves on a soul level for the for the benefit of the others. And, you know, the, I laugh at the Bible, but there are some truths in it. And there's, there's about, a bit about rapture where there's only 144,000 chosen souls can go to heaven and things like that, you know. But there must be some sort of truth in in that aspect. And I don't really know where that is. But then also when you look at, you know, we talk about ascension and 5D and things like that. We're getting quite deep in sort of soul journeys and, and, and our, our own story and our own soul purpose you know we in my opinion we signed a contract to come here in this lifetime for the progression of our soul now whether you see that as a single soul or a group um it, it doesn't really matter but the whole idea of this life on earth is experiencing life in a human form spirit in a, in a, in a human body as we know is is is, is what we are and we have certain lessons that we need to, lead, to, to learn through this journey. When we come back in another lifetime, we might have ascended into 5D. We might still have lessons to learn in 3D, in which case we'll reincarnate again in 3D. So it could be, looking at things from a totally different angle, that the people who chose to have the jab, the people who are unfortunately for the human side of things, unfortunately dying early, 
may well have a soul contract that takes them to incarnate somewhere else on another planet or back in this one in to, because they still have lessons to learn in 3D. And it, I don't want to sound smug or elite or anything like that, but you know, not everybody's going to be ready for 5D because that's their soul's journey. You know, so there's a lot of stuff going on and we have to be careful not to blame it all on the elite or the dark side because there is a, a, another purpose to here which we might not be able to see at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it's something I like the way Dolores Cannon puts it when yes. she she brought forward what she said, you know, not everybody will be ready and some may return home to the spirit world, but know that everybody will make it eventually. Exactly. And I like That's I like that sentiment. You know, yeah. nobody is left behind, but everybody's um playing a role, aren't they? And some things a part of the great mystery. We're not gonna know till we go back to back to spirit and no, we're all we discussing it. It is a great mystery, and uh, you just mentioned Dolores Cannon. It reminds me, there's a really good book by one of Dolores's students called Sarah Bressman Cosme, and it's all about Atlantis. It's called A Hypnotist Guide to Atlantis, and she's done one, A Guide to the Sphinx as well. And wow. she was doing past life regression under hypnosis and finding there's a lot of common themes about remembering, about the explosions and laser crystals and all this sort of thing. It's an absolutely fascinating book. Oh, and uh, oh, yeah. she's written these two books and she's doing talks all over the world now, this lady, uh, Sarah Breskman. Uh, but she was a student of Dolores and specialist in this, this past life regression things. Um, but it's just worth mentioning because if anyone's interested in Atlantis and what actually happened, it's almost a transcript of all the therapy sessions she's done on the hypnosis and, and all the information has come through and she put it into like a logical sequence. So we've actually got the, the fall of Atlantis documented from hypnotherapy regression <laughs> so it sounds incredible yeah anybody who's not heard of dolores cannon's work please look it up it's it's yeah. profound yeah. and uh yeah thanks for that. Carrying, I mean, yeah, yeah she did a wonderful book as well she did a book about this called soul speaks yes about um uh, parts of the body what the body's trying to tell us that she was inspired to write but thanks for adding we were talking about books earlier that I've got a pile of books. I think you've just added another one to my list. <laughs> well, there's two. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but it's interesting because that's what I was going to talk about because I feel there's a bit of a re-emergence in books and coming back to books. I quite agree. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm finding so many people coming back to books at this moment in time. Uh, so what are your thoughts around that? Personally, I can't stand Kindle. I, I, I just couldn't do it. I want to pick a book up and read it and put it down again and, and then reread it and, and actually have the thing in, in so I'm concentrating with it in my hand. You know, spend enough time on the computer screen. And I think books are far better. I think the information goes in better. Yeah, I think it's uh, what I've found as well, Rick, because I've. Uh, it's almost like meditation. It's a bit of a discipline that you have to go, right, I'm setting this time aside. I'm going to Absolutely. sit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a healing session because you're sat doing yeah. nothing and yet you're learning information and, and working things out as, as you're reading. And the penny drops and you oh, yeah, I feel a lot better about that now. So it's massively healing, really, isn't it? You know, but yeah, like you, I've got maybe. 150 books stacked up, ready to read, and <laughs> okay, picking one or two out here and there. And, uh, you know, I tend to find that I go off on an angle and I might start reading about shamanism and stuff like that. The next thing I'm like reading about past lives and Atlantis and things. And the next thing it's, you know, 
but it's all that, that spiritual journey, isn't it? It's all it's all information and it's all feeding the soul. And I think books do yeah, feed the soul. I mean, I find myself, I get a chapter in to a book and then I might leave it and jump to another yeah. and then come back. But I find it the, the chapters always come and they'll relate to something that's going on in my life at that moment. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, And there's some really good fiction books out there at the moment as well. I mean, yeah. anybody in the Northwest, there's a series of books. I think there's about nine now and it's The King's Watch. Uh, it's a chap called Mark Hayden who actually lives in Carnforth. But it describes all sorts of local things like Morecambe Bay and Preston, and uh, it's all to do with witches and magic and mages, and and uh, you know keeping the king's peace in, in the world of magic and wizards and things. And but absolutely real because it's set in in the northwest, and uh, I think I'm on about number seven of those now. <laughs> but it's it, it's really good. It, it's got that interest. It's people what they call putting glamours up, you know, so people can appear as somebody else or they can hide a house with, with magic and, and, and that. But, you know, it's a brilliant escape from reality in a way. But it, because it's based in the Northwest, there's one time and they chased somebody and they gave the postcode and, and they described the house I used to live in in Penwitham and, and the park and going down these steps and past this house and somebody was hiding in, in the back garden. And, and it was the road I used to live on. So it was quite amazing, really. Um, but again, it's just an escape. So, yeah, books I highly recommend. And, you know, they don't have to be textbooks. There's nothing wrong with a nice bit of fiction to, to just escape because we need that downtime. I agree. And it's, again, um, if we've had a nice, peaceful read, we might have some good night's sleep and have some good dreams again. So we've come full circle. It helps me sleep for sure. And and I think you make a good point there, Rick. That it's not just the um, the the books of experiences which are wonderful, but also the fiction of the storytellers. I mean, storytelling is a very ancient art in many absolutely, ways. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. The, the people coming together and telling stories around the fire, and you well, know, again, you. It's back to our pagan and Celtic roots, isn't it? They had the bards who told all the stories. It was all handed down by word of mouth. It was never actually written down until the Christian scribes came in the Roman times and started writing them down. And then that's their translation because they would have been written in Latin from Celtic. So this is why everything gets lost in translation. But, you know, the, the poems and the stories, uh, it, it's all extremely entertaining. And... Nowadays, fortunately, we have books and we do have internet and things like that, and everything's available, you know. But 100 years ago, there were very few books. Three or 400 years ago, there's hardly any, you know. And, and the ones that were there were for the rich and famous, weren't they, or the, or the wealthy people. So books are a fantastic source of knowledge and a fantastic escape, and I think they're very therapeutic. Wonderful. So anybody... Uh... Uh, watching or listening and you're seeking inspiration on your journey you're looking for more knowledge you know seek out some of these books there's some fantastic stuff out there there really is so i feel like i could throw a, I, I do prepare some questions sometimes but <laughs> it, it always gets thrown out the window you gotta go with the flow but i, I wanted to just uh move on a little bit from more to the what we call the spiritual movement yeah and there's been a, an evolution in the spiritual movement by simply what we're doing now when you talked about doing workshops online yeah. and, and 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 where do you see the the spiritual movement in itself uh moving on now 
and and you know uh where's its evolution land you know because everything yeah. for me there's been a huge emergence in the understanding of healing and, yes. and not just yeah. all about mediumship the last couple of years more of an understanding wow you know the power of healing as well absolutely i, I agree and i think um good valid question actually and you know healing is becoming more and more widespread if i go back to when i start, first started studying reiki my reiki master said to me reiki was like a slug trail that's slowly moving around the world and i think that's a very very good description because you know yeah it's there are some people who keep it very close to the chest and this sort of thing but you know there's a lot more people now compared to say 10 years ago and certainly to 20 years ago who are healers and that can only be good um but the real benefit of any form of healing you know when you are tuned to reiki or say chem or holy fire you know all those modalities is that it changes you it changes your blueprint you become a better person it's the same if we're doing the workshops like on louise hayes work the healing life philosophy if we improve ourselves, we actually improve the people around us because we rub off on other people. Yeah. And we've all got that scenario of you're chucking a pebble in the pond and, and the ripples move out and you don't know where they're going to land. You know, that is so true. But sometimes those ripples cause friction and we have to move away from people, you know. <laughs> but other yeah, times, I know that one. people say, oh, they've changed and what's going on with them? And it encourages them to find out what's going because they want to be in that better position. Yeah. And I think there's been a big change. There's certainly been a big change in me in the last 12 months um, because, as, as you will know, I, I was a little bit of an activist and, you know, I was posting stuff online and it suddenly came to me, and it, I actually wrote a poem about it on New Year's Day last year. Sorry, it, it, January 21. Uh, and it was literally about, I'm sorry, I'm standing now off my soapbox because the information's there. If people want to go and find out, they can go and find out. It's not for me to tell them. It's that old scenario, lead a horse to water if you can't make them drink. You know? So the facts are laid out. But you've got to think about it. You, you know, so it's not for me to change everybody else. All I can do is change myself. And in doing that, hopefully I can be, uh, you know, an example for other people to follow. And people call us light workers or, or sometimes I like to call it light warriors. But actually, we're way showers. And what I've realized the last 12 months, and I think a lot of people have done the same, is, you know, we're a bit like the hermit in the tarot card. People think he's a lonely old man stood there with a lantern on the top of the hill. But actually, that hermit is showing the way. He's lighting the path for others. And I think that's where it's going. I think everybody's slowly waking up. But it's got to start within us. We can't expect everybody else to change. You know, again, one of my favourite sayings is what Gandhi said, you know, be the change that you want to see. So I think the evolution of the spiritual movement is that people are starting to take responsibility for their own well-being. For their own healing their own progress now whether that's progress uh, in a physical level uh, dieting and keep fit or whether it's progress on the soul level or a mediumship or spiritual level but they've got to take their own responsibility and move on but as they move on they can't help but drag for want of a better word drag the people around them with them because they either fall away or they follow them you know so even if you change one person around you or five people around you whether it's your family or your friends or your work colleagues you know 
if you can change and become a shining light, become a better person, you're going to influence everybody else around you. And again, you know, if 10 people did that, all of a sudden you've got 100 people changing. If those 100 people, you've got 1,000 people changing. That's going to create a big shift. So we've not to look for everybody else to change. We've not to look for the answers for everybody else. We're going to look inside for the answers. We're going to improve us. So I think that's my theory of which way it's going. And these groups help. Again, Zoom and things help because people have an appetite for knowledge. People want to improve, but they don't know how. And so we've got to show them the way. We've got to be, as I said, the way showers. And I sometimes imagine it as a bit like you're in a jungle with a big machete and you're beating the path down, cutting a path through the jungle, and everybody else is following the line behind you. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of like we're the pioneers in a way. You know, I know people have been doing this for hundreds of years, and, and you know, we're not the first by any means, but you know, we're here now and between all of us sort of light workers, you know, between you, me and, and Stephen, we've, we've probably got 50, 60, 70 years experience and knowledge between us, you know, it might be more than that, but that's just three of us. So, you know, that combined knowledge between the sort of spiritual leaders, it's got to pass down. But yeah, we I, can't I, force anybody, so people have to change themselves. They have to take responsibility for their own spiritual health. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I think you've, you've, you've nailed it, Rick, for me with that. Absolutely, because a couple of things there, you know, uh, myself and Stephen, if he was here, he'd say the same. We've been on a tremendous journey the last three years of, of inner work and, yeah. and understanding that I feel things have changed on two sides that we've understood as running the Purple Mountain here, being caretakers of this space, yeah. that we're not here to rescue anyone. No. We're here just to facilitate a space for people to find what they need, the tools to for their own inner growth. And I feel there is more and more people now that they don't want to be told. They want to find it within themselves. They really want to seek I it. Think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what happens is... is um let's think of the right words for this um the maturity of and wisdom of experience you know enables us to become more let's say mature spiritual leaders because when we first get on this path yeah. when you first qualify in reiki you want to change the world you want to change everybody with you because you're mad keen you know and people don't want to know and then you get a bit disillusioned you know so then you go on another course and you might do crystal healing or something like that so then again you, you, you're mad keen and, and you want to change everybody you want to tell everybody about it but they've got to find out in their own time and the only way you can influence anybody is by changing yourself and that is the responsibility we've got we, we need to be the best version we can be of ourselves and that is actually a unique human being a unique soul in a human body and we're here people say to me sometimes what's my life purpose can you tell yeah your life purpose is to be you and if you want to excel, be the best bloody version you can be of you, you know, and that's all you can ask for. That's what spirit wants. That's what we're here for. We're all unique. You know, we're all, we all come here as shiny diamonds. I don't, do you remember talking about books again, Chris? Do you remember a book called The Journey by Brandon Bayes? It's all about no, she, that one. Cancer. She, she healed herself from that's another one. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a very, it, it came out in the 80s. Um, but there's a little bit at the back of that, and it's a, a little bit of a story, and it says, look, we all come here as beautiful shining diamonds. But life and 
teachers and society cover that diamond up with layers and layers of crap. So what our job is now is to chip away at that crap and break it open. And if we're lucky, we get a glimpse of that beautiful shining diamond underneath, which is what we all are as souls. And if we're really lucky, we can crack it open and let it shine for other people, you know. And I think that's very important. So, you know, the responsibility, the evolution of spiritual learning has got to stay and start with us as the individual. And it's our responsibility to heal ourselves and to take that forward and actually, you know, be the lighthouse, be the shining light, be the beacon that everybody else can say, oh, he's got it right. Let's do what he's doing. And again, it's not being big headed. It's just we've got to lead by example. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, I mean, it's 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 the saviors within you. You you yeah. you're the one that that, that yeah. you know. Sometimes we can look on the outer, and I completely agree. When you know, when you're involved in any part of the spiritual movement, awakening, whatever you want to call it, you, you know, we all um, have that inner love to change. We we want a, a better world. We believe there can be a better world, and so you want to reach out to everybody, but you very quickly realize that everybody's ready. That's you know, right. but again, they will get there eventually. Yeah, they will. They will in their own time because that's their soul contract. You know, they, they they will have written sometime at some point in their life that they will start to awaken and realize where they are. And it might be that this lifetime is, is like a holiday for their soul and they, they might not do anything in, that, in those 70-odd years. You, you know, they might just be here to be asleep and rest. You know, it might be a tea break as far as the soul's journey is concerned, but for us, it's seventy years. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's 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 a it's a story Dolores Cannon tells quite a bit, where where she said, yeah, "I'm sure you'll know this, Rick, as well." The most asked question in the spiritual movement: "Am I on the right path?" Yeah, that 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 is, and and many times she said she'd have people come to her clients and saying, "You know, what is my soul purpose?" And she said, "Well, your purpose is just to be." Yeah. Just so be. They, they really just be just be you know yeah. be be yeah. you That's you know right. you're here for a reason and whatever path you are on at this time you are on it for a reason and purpose yeah yeah definitely and it's being conscious that you are here to be you but you're also here as part of the universe the whole living collective of the universe and yeah. You know, we are connected. We're connected to this desk that I'm sat at. We're connected to the rock. We're connected to the water that flows down the river. We're connected to the grains of sand. We're connected to the stars because we're all part. We're all molecules of that universe. And we are all one. And if people can remember those four words, we are all one, I think they'll go a long way. But as each little individual particle of the universe, it's up to us to be this bright spark that we're designed to be. Nobody else can do it for us. We have to take the responsibility for ourselves. Yeah, and it's incredible looking at this interview now. I feel like with uh, this chat, uh, we've come through. It's like we've gone to the little bit of the darkness and the shadow. And now <laughs> just naturally, through Absolutely. coming through books and knowledge, we've said, you, you know, these things are so, these things are happening, but look at who you are and look what's around you and look at what's available to you. Absolutely uh, you know, right. So yes. there is yes. no absolutely no yeah. need to be afraid and if you look back we mentioned the hero's journey earlier on you know you look back at those heroes in the stories like jason of the argonauts and luke skywalker nobody did it for him yeah. 
Absolutely. Nobody did it for the hero. The hero had to overcome any adversity themselves. They might have had help. They might have had an army behind them. But they had to achieve that goal by overcoming adversity. And this adversity is what we're talking about as the shadow. You know, if we need to look at that shadow, delve deep into it and overcome the adversities that are in that shadow, the light side is going to shine a lot brighter because we've eliminated some of that darkness. We've reduced that shadow. You know, and it's like if you've got a lamppost in the street, there's not a shadow there unless there's a sun. You, you know what I mean? Without the sun, without the light, there cannot be a shadow. And yet, if you bring the light in, we can illuminate the darkness. But that lamppost will not have a shadow if there's no sun. Absolutely. You know? Really, really profound and it's 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 the <laughs> yeah it, it, this is it and it, it is it is quite simple you know and yeah. uh and and the answers to this you know and 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 you do find and i appreciate not everybody will be you know at this point but you can get to a point when these difficult lessons or times come to you that when you uh evolved or you've gained gained something from the lesson that you'll show gratitude to that absolutely yes as well and you'll say thank you for bringing it to me because you know uh, it was posed to us years ago a question from the spirit are you the same person you were 10 minutes ago no not and i at would all. say no because we're constantly growing aren't we constantly growing constantly learning and yeah gratitude is, is fantastic and and you know let's take the the, the g and the r of, of that and let's have attitude because attitude and gratitude <laughs> yeah. are both absolutely important because yeah you learn your lessons, you hear, wow, that was a tough lesson. Look how much I've grown, look what I've learned, you know. So we have the gratitude, and then you need to look at the attitude. Right, come on, let's have the next one, and let's welcome it in. You know, you can't run away from these lessons because they'll just keep coming chasing after you and run you down, you know. It, yeah, you stand and face them. You've got to be the hero and go on that journey, you know. <laughs> I've seen people do that as well, and I've done it myself in a way. All that, uh, if I leave this job or this situation or step away from this, um, yeah. I don't have to deal with that anymore. But actually, you'll find it'll be brought in another form, the yes. same lesson in another form. You're like, oh, yeah. here it is yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a saying, isn't there? like the universe taps you on the shoulder, and if you're not listening, it, it kind of gives you a bit of a shove. And then it, if you're not listening again, it'll slap you in the face and then it'll push you over and break your leg or something, you know what I mean, until you let, until you actually listen. And you know, the, the trick is to is to, is to listen and, and, and get into that habit of, of your own personal awareness of what's going on and your messages from spirit and your guides. And, you know, you, you, you've got to understand what's going on and listen to the nudges and see them, you know, and coincidences and synchronicities, they're all important, but we've got to, not only listen and take notice, but take action. So it's, it's like you say, you give the gratitude, then you've got the attitude, let's bring some more on. But, you know, we can be aware of it. We can avoid things. But the best way, the best route and the quickest route is to actually confront it and take it head on and learn. And that can be difficult at times. It can be frightening. You know, yeah, but then they were human, and like you said, we all get there eventually, don't we? You know, one way or another, yeah. at some point, we're going to get we're going to return home. So, <laughs> yeah, and it, it's something you know, when you say about the gratitude and attitude, makes sense to me because, um, something that's certainly been a lesson for me is just because 
you know, we're, whatever you want to say, spiritually awakened, we're light workers, we're beacons, doesn't mean we have to be passive with everything. No. No. Doesn't mean we have to be a doormat and say, well, I'll just, sometimes we have to hold our boundaries and go, I'm not having yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And the quicker people understand that no full stop, is a complete sentence yeah. <laughs> and you've got to learn to say no you've got to set boundaries because otherwise you you actually find that your energy is being expended and people will actually suck the energy out of you there are a few people around who are energy vampires for want of a better word yeah. and you have to close down and you know we're getting back into sort of narcissism and things like that now and unfortunately it's quite a right personality disorder um but it's much misunderstood but they do survive by sucking people's energy and we've got to be aware and the, the best way we could conserve our energy is to set boundaries and say no you know or i'll do it tomorrow but don't drop everything and do something for somebody straight away you've got to say what is the best for you i did it yesterday with somebody that with, with a um uh let's call them a new work colleague and i've done some pricing for a job and they kind of always set the boundaries and they were picking my brains too much and i you know i need to sell my experience i'm not going to give it away for, for nothing i don't mind a little bit i don't mind even a good well goodwill and i've had most of the morning on pricing this job up for them and then they sent me another text saying can you just alter that spreadsheet if you get time i said no i don't have time till wednesday sorry so i put my boundaries in place because I'd done enough and otherwise it would have been another hour out of my day and you know but we've got to do it and it doesn't matter what the situation is it doesn't matter whether it's friends it's family you know it's it's great uncle George or whatever it is you know we've got to be in charge of us and our energy and our decisions and we've got to put ourselves first and that's not selfish we've got to look after yeah. us you know I agree it's about loving self and things it, 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 and that's not being selfish it just means that you're putting yourself first so that you're in a better position to help other people yeah like you said earlier by doing that everybody benefits around us anyway yeah yeah so, so that's the beauty of it it is it is yeah it, uh, this is why i like some of the louise hay philosophy that you know some of the courses i run the heal your life work it, it explains all this in depth and you know, we can become very, very easily become people pleasers. And actually, all it does is depletes our energy. And then we can't be the best version of ourselves because there's nothing left of us. Well, something quite often that comes up, and I've, I've picked myself up on this, but I've also mentioned it to others, that you'll hear quite often, well, I don't feel I could say no, or I could stop that person in the tracks um, because I didn't want to offend them. Yeah. And immediately we're putting ourselves number two or even number three or four. So we'll oh. say, well, I'll take that on board and I won't stop it because I'm frightened of offending someone. Uh, you know, oh, and actually. Go on. Yeah, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, well, it comes back to you don't want to offend them. That comes back to a fear. The yeah. fear of criticism, the fear of judgment, the fear of perhaps being ridiculed or the fear of not feeling good enough the feel it the fear of not thinking you've helped enough you know but if we look at that and, and you'll have heard this you know fear is false evidence appearing real and that fear is not true it's just not there and, and yet people 
unfortunately run their lives based on fears. It's one of the biggest blocks to mediumship is the fear of getting it wrong. Many, many talented mediums who won't get up on stage because they fear being ridiculed, they fear that they're giving the wrong message, and they fear that they're not as good enough or they're not as good as the next person. And yet that stops them being exceptional mediums, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever come across a medium from up Scotland Way called Lauren Robertson. Uh, she's written a few books. Yeah, yeah. Um, she does a lot for this Centre for Psychical Research and uh, Conan Doyle Centre in Edinburgh and things like that. She gives a lot of talks. She has a, a good theory, and it's called Dismantling the Dam. So when the energy flows from spirit or from the universe, whatever you want to think, it's like a river flowing, and we tap into that flow, and you'll know when you talk to spirit, you get the first little bits, and then you open up, and it all flows out. Because we've done the work and we've got to the experience where we can do that now without any fear. But the people who are just starting, they block themselves. And it's the same with anything in life, but let's just use me as an example. Over the course of their lifetime, from being an early child, they've had a criticism, they've had judgment. And so all these things have built up and they made like a dam across this river, this flow from the universe. So what we're going to do is dismantle the dam. So Lauren Robertson calls it dismantling the dam. And what happens is, as you know, with a dam, if you take one brick out, all the others get loose and get washed away. Okay, so it just opens up the flow then. And that one brick, for most people, is the fear of judgment or the fear of criticism or the fear of getting it wrong. And that can be for life and it can be for mediumship. So if we can dismantle that dam and let things flow, we'll find life a lot easier. And it's Absolutely. you know it's deep work, and yet as with everything, you know the deepest, the deepest sort of subjects can be explained with a very simple analogy. Yeah, totally. And again, it's uh, you know putting ourselves in situations that might feel uncomfortable, but it could be something really wonderful. And and you know even if um, you know you do get it wrong, whether it be on a platform or whatever, that's a great teacher again. Absolutely. You know, and, we and don't get it wrong. Yeah. 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 Because what happens then if you get a no on platform, you have to go back and correct it and get it right. And then you you know you've proved that existence, haven't you? It's yeah, it's, exactly. it's absolutely fabulous, really. Um I was gonna say something that's gone out of my head now, but we'll it'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. well. uh, going back to books, there's a brilliant book which I've had for about 20 years, and it's called Awareness, and it's by Anthony DeMello. And there's a little sentence in there. And as usual, you can pick a book up and one sentence jumps out. And that's what you need to read the book for. But he said, the quickest, shortest route between a human being and the truth is via a story. And this is why these analogies work so well, because simple analogies, the people can picture it in the head and they understand exactly what you said. It doesn't matter whether you're teaching or you're doing mediumship or whatever, but if you can explain something as a metaphor or as an analogy, make a little story of it, they put the pictures in the head and they fully understand it, you know, and I think there's lots of truth in that. So, again, back to the books. It's, it, it, it's there. All the information is there. And if it's a story, there's still something to learn. If it's fact, there's still something to learn. But when we're reading, we're putting little images in our head and we're imagining what's going on. And again, it's the same with mediumship. We get those images and we have to put them into a story to, to give the message. 
And, you know, when we're doing it, we're in the flow and we have to stop that. Let's rephrase that. We have to prevent the flow from being stopped with this dam. And that dam is built up of fears. And so the sooner we can release those fears and the fear of judgment, and it's like I said, being I don't care what people think of me, you know, I can have weird dreams, I can talk about it because I haven't got the fear of judgment because nice. it's really, it's what I think of me that matters. It's not what I agree. Let, letting go of that, what people think is huge. It really yeah. is, isn't yeah. it? Because you just start living your life then and getting on with things. But I just want to thank you so much, Rick. It's been uh, it's been an amazing hour or so. I, yeah. I feel like I love it so yeah. much. <laughs> I know we were saying like, where are we going to take this talk? And we're both like, oh, we'll just go with the flow. And yeah. and I feel like there's been a lot that could really reach out. But actually, what I'd like to do is maybe in the future we could do an episode just dedicated to books. Absolutely, yeah. different books. I feel that'd be amazing for people. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, Wayne Day used to go on stage and talk for four hours just with three books in his hand, didn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to be said. Oh, but, a lot of stuff to share in books, and people can learn from it. Yeah, so maybe drop us a message if uh, or comment on this video if that's something you'd like to see. We'll make it happen. Yeah. But I just want to thank you so much. Your choice Sorry, of words, Rick. then, when we got in the flow, when we went with the flow, and that's exactly what we've just been talking about. We didn't damn the flow, did we? We just let it come out, and that's the best way. <laughs> oh, I agree, and it's it's naturally, and just for me, this is why these talks, I always feel really energised afterwards. I have to bring yeah. myself down a bit. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's an energetic cup of coffee. Uh, Absolutely. With this chance. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have to I have to bring myself down a bit and chill. But I, I feel there's been a lot we've touched on this. So thank you so much for uh, giving your truth and your oh, experiences. Talk to you lads, and uh, you know we we go back a long way. And let's hope this uh, continues for many many more years. It's, you know people can learn from it. We can learn from it. And uh, I think Absolutely. it's really yeah. And again, it's and always around the world, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and and uh, sometimes I have to well, I have to listen back to these talks before we place them up on other platforms, and and I always learn something. Yeah, I always learn something new. Oh, but I like having my belief systems questioned. I feel it's healthy. Absolutely, well. yeah. Question everything. It's a scientific approach to spirituality, isn't it? All about the science. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, um, what the, the what what I want to leave this uh, talk on is, Rick. If you've got anything coming up, or if uh, somebody wants to get in touch with you and learn a bit more about your work, where can they do that? Yeah, uh, you get me on Facebook under Rick Horn Spiritual Coach. Um, I'm. A little bit behind with some of my planning, but I'm hoping to do some Reiki training in the spring and run some healing life workshops. Uh, I've just finished the the course on um, I call it psychic awareness and, and psychic development and awareness. Uh, that's a six week course on Zoom. I've run that a few times now, and a lot of the students who have been on that one wanted another course, so I'm just in the middle of that course, which I call round two. But that's by invitation so you've got to do the first course before you do the second one if you see them in because i know what standard they're at there so the first one i'm hopefully we'll be repeating it in the next month or two it's a six-week course on zoom um we start off with like the difference between psychic and mediumship we start talking about um divination tools angel cards you know uh divining rods pendulums and things like that uh we talk about the um learning to meet your guides and um, 
the difference between guides and, and communicators and uh, all that sort of stuff, really. But very basic introduction to, to psychic development and awareness. And then the second course is actually more to do with sharpening your skills in mediumship and actually exploring the evidence and, and communicating with the communicator rather than your guide and things like that. So it's just going up a little bit of a up a notch, really. Um, so get me all get all of me on Facebook and watch out and I'll, I tend to post it all over the place when I do uh, have a you know create a course but uh, um that's where I've been but uh, look forward to Sounds seeing great. anybody any questions just give me a shout I'll, I'm always happy to answer in my time <laughs> when I say no <laughs> when I say yes. <laughs> whatever I'm saying <laughs> very important we've got we've got to practice what we preach haven't we absolutely <laughs> we do yes yeah don't, don't expect to reply straight away if it's midnight you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely so <laughs> um th thanks again Rick for sharing your time Very with Chris. us I, I, I really you. loved it uh and I look forward to our next one and connecting whatever you've got coming up I wish you well yeah. with it the book and, um, <laughs> yeah and we'll, be, we'll, we'll see how much further we are with our book piles uh right, individually yeah. <laughs> as we move on yeah mine's just growing it's just grown another five or six while we've been talking this last hour <laughs> so uh yeah uh, but Brilliant. thanks everybody for joining us and being in this space um and and we hope you've been able to resonate with part of it thank you for connecting with us until we speak again brilliant thanks very much good night all see you soon all the very best thank you for watching the collective awakening podcast for more information on the purple mountain spiritual and well-being center you can visit our website at thepurplemountain.co.uk and don't forget to click and subscribe